You know that health benefit insurance producers are insurance agents as well? Can you believe that? This isn't just all about property and casualty. In fact, if you really look at the premiums, the average business owner is paying significantly more for their health benefits for their organization than if they were to take their workers' compensation, general liability, and every other policy and combine them. At the end of the day, Figuring out how to sell employee health benefits is very important to the typical insurance buyer out there. And so today on the podcast, I have a special guest. His name is Ryan Cox. We're going to hear from him in just a moment, but he's going to talk to us about prospecting, getting broker of record letters, and why the permission model, if you will, for broker of record letters works really well on the employee health benefit side also. Stay tuned. What's up, Permission Nation? My name is Charles Specht, and I teach insurance agents how to quote less, win more often, and build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. Whether you're a brand new producer just starting out, or you've been grinding it out year after year, you're in the right place to learn how to grow your book. I teach insurance producers my step-by-step 12X framework that helps you get the incumbent agent fired and you hired. After all, why waste time quoting when you can win with one signature? If you're looking for a proven system to help you 12X your book of business, then visit my website at www.12x.club to see how it's done. Otherwise, kick back, turn up the volume, and remember, quoting is for the week. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. My name is Charles Specht, and I am happy to be here with you today. And I've got a special guest. His name is Ryan Cox. Ryan has been in my 12X Commission Mastermind for about seven months or so. And so I want to introduce you, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Charles. Absolutely. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what it is that you're selling, where you're located, and all that kind of stuff. Of course. Yeah. So I, um, I handle employee benefit plans and hyper-focused on, on medical insurance. It's a big pain point for most organizations. Um, and that's where we come in and, and try to manage that cost. Uh, do things a little bit differently than a lot of our competition, a lot of self-funding, level funding for small and mid-sized businesses. I am located just outside of Chicago in Joliet, Illinois, and have quite a Nice size book of business here in Illinois, but also do the bulk of my prospecting now out of state in uh, Colorado and throughout Texas. Which is interesting. I want to I want to get into that. And I just yeah, I completely forgot that you're a Joliet guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, I was born and raised in Joliet, Illinois, and Ryan and I kind of got to know one another. And we didn't even I don't think even realize we we're both from Joliet. But you know what? That just you know puts you up a couple notches in my book. That's for sure. That's yeah, it's how I knew I could trust you. <laughs> that's right for sure. <laughs> Now, uh, I believe that you own your own agency, correct? I do, yes. So tell me a little bit about your agency, what it's called, all that kind of stuff. What type is your typical client do you have and so forth? Yeah, so uh, SLI Benefits. We have been around since 2010 when my business partner and I started our firm. Both came from very large agencies, I of Brown & Brown. He worked for Arthur J. Gallagher. And really what we kind of... Our founding principle, more or less, is, is just to come in and, and always be looking for an innovative approach and, and, and trying to find an edge. Like I said before, it's, it's super challenging for a lot of businesses. And I find that your traditional broker uh, kind of 
perpetuates that problem by by just selling the normal stuff. And here's your eight to ten percent increase. It's the best we can do. So we we try to look for some strategies uh, for them to actually manage those claims expenses. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think is very interesting about you and kind of your approach is. You know, you're in Joliet, which, you know, isn't really right next to Chicago, but it's not that far of a drive, right? So you're not in a small metropolitan area. Why in the world, Ryan, would you spend the bulk of your time prospecting in other states? What's the sure. pro? What's the con? Yeah. So I, I, it, it took me a long time to figure out uh, there's gold in them, our hills elsewhere. <laughs> uh, price spent about, you know, certainly the first couple of years of my career when I was with Brown & Brown, hyper-focused on our you know, kind of tri-county area around Joliet. Um, when I started my own firm, br- branched into Cook County, Chicago. What I found is everyone here is rather stubborn when it comes to purchasing their health insurance. Blue Cross Blue Shield has roughly a 70% market share here. Um, so when I'm coming in and, and telling them, hey, we can do all this for you, they say, that's great. But if it doesn't have that Blue Cross logo on it, my employees are going to lose their mind. Um, so I had some wins, you know, moving to some different carriers and some different arrangements, but th- they were few and far between. So my brother actually lives just outside of Denver, started visiting him quite frequently once he moved out there. And I figured, Hey, I can make this a business trip. Let's, let's have our telemarketers set a handful of appointments out here. I was there for three days. They set me five appointments, which would be a record for them over three days. <laughs> and I came home with two new clients. I've never really done that one call close here in Illinois. So I, I figured, hey, there's something to this. The culture out here is just completely different. And we started shifting more and more of our attention there. And last year started marketing in Texas. And we're probably going to start doing Florida here as well pretty soon. That's great. I mean, I, I tell you, that's one thing that I think a lot of agents don't really understand and quite grasp is every single geographic location has a certain sort of bias in regards to their buyer mentality. I saw this in California where if you look on a state of a map, I was right in the middle of the state around Fresno area. A lot of agriculture, a lot of loyalty. And so I typically found that around 75 to 80% of my clients were over in the San Francisco Bay area or down in Los Angeles and South. Whereas much more metropolitan, much less loyalty, if you will. And so I was able just to kind of go in and show them something they hadn't seen before and they were ready to make a switch. And so I see that as well. It's like not just maybe the type of an account you go after. It's the geographic territory. There's a lot of things that come into play and really kind of finding your sweet spot. Yeah, no doubt. And in terms of business growth, Illinois is not the leading uh, state in that. So there's a lot of uh, entrenched relationships and you know, hey, my brother-in-law is the broker and he's been here with us for 30 years and the the owner's not going to want to make a change, whatever that might be. But I found, particularly Denver initially, uh, a lot of transplants there. So the loyalty just isn't as deep as it is. And then also a lot of of construction, a lot of of new enterprises moving there. And of course, uh, Austin, Texas is kind of where we we focus primarily there. So similar... um, similar platform where it's just, Hey, I'm from California or I'm from Chicago or I'm from New Jersey. (laughs) Uh, I've been here for two years and you get, it sounds like you got a good idea. It's just, it's just an easier conversation. You know, I've heard of agents, you know, focusing on business to the state right next to their state, but Texas really isn't all that, you know, close to Illinois. Like you've got to travel a distance to get there. What kind of pushback are you seeing from 
insurance buyers where they say, you know what, you're in Illinois. I don't know if I want an agent from Illinois. Yeah, we do run into it from time to time where, uh, you know, you ain't from around here, boy, that kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Uh, we, we don't need to write every account out there. So if our model is is not conducive to your business, I, I understand and we'll part ways as friends. But, um, you know, more and more, and I think COVID really just changed the landscape completely where everyone had to learn how to operate via Zoom, via email, via phone, rather than that in-person handshake um, of course, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to fly down, take a little mini vacation during the week to, uh, to meet your employees and, and conduct open enrollment and things like that. But again, I, I don't really ha- find it very difficult to forge that relationship uh, remotely. Hmm. How long ago did you actually go to Denver that first time and, and get a couple of clients over that weekend? That's about five years ago. Got it. So just before COVID probably, I guess, right? Just yep. Before COVID. And I 100%, I mean, frankly... I think insurance agents need to figure out remote prospecting, remote marketing, remote sales. Yeah, yeah my attitude is that that good ideas don't tran- or do transcend state lines. So yeah. yes, the rules and regs may be slightly different, but you know, once you kind of get up to speed on those, it's the health insurance plan operates the, the same way. Your your claims are being paid out of a TPA in Texas, whether you are located in Alaska or Hawaii. I agree. I actually feel that agents need to figure out how to sell remotely. And if they can, they're going to be able to really dominate their space. But most agents can't even really figure out how to, to how to prospect locally, let alone do this <laughs> remotely. And I truly believe that COVID taught us exactly what you just said. But you don't have to be local anymore. You don't have to be down the street. You don't have to be an hour drive away. Most of the stuff that we do is via you know an online portal, email, a telephone call. Yeah, there's times we can be there. And so you can fly there and meet with them if you want to do the open enrollment. But they don't necessarily need you or frankly even want you at their location all the time. They just want you to make sure they want to make sure that you're doing the right job, servicing the account appropriately and that they're, they've got a really good op, a uh, real good plan. Yeah, my, my first account in Colorado, um, they had made mention that, hey, we've seen you more often than we saw our previous guy who was three blocks away. <laughs> so when you went to uh just uh, focusing on those couple accounts you got the first time why did you win those accounts what did you do what did you say was it just right timing how did you have such great success that first time yeah i think a lot of what we do is right timing right the being at the right place at the right time uh but you know it it was very easy because quite frankly, as you know, many, many agents are lazy. Uh, They've been in the business for 15, 20, 30 years, have a nice book of business and have forged a pretty good life for themselves and they get comfortable. Um, In healthcare, everything's changing constantly. There's, there's always a new product, a new idea, a new concept while our costs are escalating significantly. Uh, An employer can't sustain a 10, 15% increase every single year, year over year, that compounds rather quickly. And before you know it, your rates have doubled or tripled. Um, So if you just come in with a new idea, a new concept, a new approach, uh, they're very happy to to do business with you. And it's not to say that we will make a change, but just having them know that, hey, I've got a consultant on my side who's up to date on the new processes and and new ideas. Uh, If and when we do decide to make the switch, I don't have to go hunting for somebody else. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this, so I'll just ask, but did you get broker record letters on those accounts or was it just a matter of winning through the quoting process? How'd you win it? 
Uh, the first two were broker a record and I was actually taken off guard. They, they asked me, Hey, how do you become our agent? <laughs> um, and I was still, this was before I, I started the, the Charles school of insurance selling. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I was kind of caught off guard because I think a lot of clients or groups and, and, and agents are trained to think the end goal is to quote this group. And that's very much how I was. My hope was to get the data I need to run a quote and then, hey, I'll have a 20% chance of getting this group based on my metrics. But, you know, they actually flat out asked me, Ryan, you sound like you know what you're doing. Where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> uh, both of them. So it, it was it was pretty easy. They made it nice and easy for me. Yeah. You know, I would say that the vast majority of agents don't focus on BOR. And even that those that do, they will fold so quickly and just go through a courting process. Um, yep. Even more so, insurance buyers really don't understand maybe that the broker of record letter exists, or maybe they somebody utilized it a few years in the back in the past and did a bad job, or they just really don't know what the next step is. And so I usually you know advise insurance agents that your prospect doesn't really know what the next step is. They assume they have to go through a quoting process because that's how we have trained them over the course of year after year after year after year. But very often, it's just a matter of if I want to not switch anything, but I want to just get a different agent to represent me, how do I do that? Can I do that? And that's really the broker record letter process. And, you know, I've said to you, I've said it to my you know mastermind many times. People have probably heard me say this, but if I could go back and do my insurance career over again, I would do employee health benefits, not PNC, 100%. <laughs> I mean, and that was really before I even understood about the broker record letter because I always believe, and I believe this with the bottom of my heart, Ryan, that EB agents are just happier than PNC agents. <laughs> I mean, just they, they, yeah, that was always our joke at my Brown and Brown agency. It's <laughs> like if you hear any swearing, that's over on the PNC side. <laughs> There's only like joy and laughter with the EB agents, 100%. But, you know, the entire broker record letter process. It works so much better, so much, I would say, cleaner on the EB side than the PNC side. You know, the, for all intents and purposes, you know, you can probably access, if you don't already have access to every carrier, and all the carriers are going to accept the broker record letter. And the beautiful thing is that they will pay you the month, that, that month after you, you know, send it to them. Whereas on the property casualty side, you know, the agency might not even represent the carrier, or the carrier doesn't accept the BOR, and they usually have to renew the account before they get paid. It's just... On the EB side, it's a beautiful thing. And I really feel like <laughs> if I had to choose between PNC, I'd go EB 100% of the time. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing. I don't need any more competition, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, that's for sure. You know, think about it from like the perspective of what you said in, uh, in the Chicago area. It doesn't have the blue in front of it. They don't even want to talk. Which for me, you know, maybe compared to somebody else, I might, someone else might look at that and say, you know what, doesn't really seem like there's a lot of opportunity there to win business. And I would say you're right. From a courting perspective, there's really not a lot of opportunity to write business. But if somebody wants to stay with the carrier, and again, like it's really hard, I think, to switch somebody from one plan or one carrier on the EB side, you know, so much more difficult than a property casualty because you're impacting employees, you're impacting spouses, you're impacting like just entire family units. Right. When you switch their auto or their work comp, it's like one guy makes a decision and that's about it. Like it just it doesn't impact anybody. And so it's really hard to, to make a care or make a, an account switch their carrier, let alone their plan and so forth. I actually think quoting is so much more difficult on the EB side than on the property and casualty side. Okay. But it also then makes, I think, the broker record letter process a whole lot more feasible 
when you're like thinking about Cal- or, uh, Chicago area and they're like, you know, if we, only, we don't want to switch from Blue Cross. Great. Now it's just a matter of switching the agent. And so that whole process on the broker record letter just makes a lot more sense on that side than, uh, than on the, uh, the PNC side. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, you know, quoted a United Healthcare on a group that's with Blue Cross and it's 20% savings. And I think it's a slam dunk. And then the owner comes in and says, no way we're leaving Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that, you know, the, the way I used to operate that, that kind of ended the conversation and say, call me back, uh, you know, three months before our next renewal and, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this process again. And yeah, you lose your hair pretty quickly uh, pulling it out when, when, when you're doing that over and over and over again and, and the same result where you get let down. Yeah. What would you say is like the typical average size for your client? You know, just by number of lives or people on the plant? Yeah. So we, we operate in a space between 25 to 500 employees. Um, of course, we have several that are much smaller than, than that as well. But our, our average is somewhere in the mid-30s, I would say. And then talk to us about like, how do you do your prospecting? How do you actually like prospect? Is, do you do, you know, do you use an outside company to do all of your appointment setting? Or do you do a prospecting yourself? What's your process? Yeah, so I do absolutely no cold calling. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a pretty good size book of business as is. And the, the amount of service that comes along with it occupies a lot of my time. So, so chasing down a prospect on a cold car is cold call just doesn't work for my model. So I outsource all of my telemarketing, email marketing, absolutely everything um, at great expense. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I look at it much more as an investment. If I know I'm going to have 15 conversations in a week, I'm probably going to get one or two new clients out of those conversations. Yeah. The investment's there, but it exact, I mean, it's a cost, but the investment is a better way to look at it. More of a cash flow thing, right? It's like you got to spend the money up front. You know it's going to come eventually, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it it does take time. But you know we're we've we've grown grown pretty good, and every time we we get a new account, we put more fuel on the fire. And I've never really seen an environment like this where just everybody's willing to have a conversation. And it it gets it's gotten to a point where healthcare again number two largest expense on their their budget. CFO steps in and says, hey, HR, I'm taking over this. Uh, you've ruined our finances <laughs> because you won't make a change. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. Out of curiosity, and it, like, I didn't ask you whether or not it's okay to ask these questions. So you can tell me to take a hike if you want. No problem. Uh, but when you like look at how much you're paying on a, you know average month for the expenses of hiring someone to do that, all your appointment setting and so forth, how much you think it is? And like, what do you think your ROI is on it? Yeah, so it's it's a lot. I won't share the exact dollar amount, mostly because I don't know it at the moment. But <laughs> uh, we we try to invest about fifteen to twenty percent of our revenue into marketing campaigns, and that's kind of the metric we've used since we started. And when we started, that was a very small number. So maybe I was running two three appointments a month. Um, now I'm running two to three a day, um, just just with our growth, and it, it's it's just cascaded into. Um, you know, a, a really good opportunity for us and actually get, get to enjoy it. You talk to so many different people and hear about so many different things and problems and issues. And, and then when you have that same conversation a month later, it's like, oh, I've ran into this before and I, I know how to address it. Um, but yeah, just always, again, putting more and more 
I probably could sit back and buy a vacation home or two if I didn't invest <laughs> in marketing. But, uh, you know, we're very growth oriented. And, and I think, like I said before, that the opportunity in front of us is just like never before. Yeah. I mean, frankly, if you can outsource it and get decent results, it is so much better than having to do all that work yourself. Because being in front of prospects is a whole lot better than being on a telephone or trying to figure out social media or doing email and so forth. Because frankly, if a producer is really doing what he or she's supposed to be doing, it's going to be a large amount of prospecting, you know, depending upon the size of the book of business and all that kind of stuff. But frankly, it's a large part of a producer's day and week and year, where if you can actually get someone else to do it, even if they're not going to be as good at it as maybe you are, but it just gives you a chance to actually like be in front of your prospects. It's a great, it's just a great trade. That's for sure. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. So don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. And by the way, tell them Charles sent you. No doubt. Yeah, and we, we work with a variety of vendors, some some great, some not so great. And, um, you know, generally the lower the cost, the, the lower the quality of the appointment. But those are kind of almost what I treat as, as my cold call, more or less, yeah. is one of my vendors. They just all they're asking for is 15 minutes of an HR director or CFO's time. And they don't really give too much information. They're they're actually calling from India, um, and just just trying to get that person to agree to a time that's mutually uh, works for, works for both of our calendars. And then I take it from there. That we get the recordings, and the person will start asking questions like, "Okay, what makes you different?" or or what this. And they say, "You know, you just got to talk to Ryan. He's the expert. When's a good time for you?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that there's a a size of an account where like once you start prospecting that outsourcing all of that 100% makes sense. So like what size of account by commission revenue do you go after where you're really kind of like focusing right now? So so anything with 25 or more enrolled employees uh is where we focus on spending money for marketing. Uh anything smaller than that is usually coming by way of referral or, you know, whatever it might be, but yeah, it's, it, it doesn't make well, sense. To when you think about that, like, I mean, granted it depends upon their plan and all that kind of stuff, but how about how much commission is a 25 you know, life? Group? You know, um, it's probably about 10 to $15,000 annually. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's a decent amount. All right. Yeah. And I, I gauge my success on these campaigns. If I can break even first year, that's a win because I get paid year over year as that client renews. So um, we'll, we'll continue to keep the programs active as long as we break in even. And I recently started one campaign in April. Uh, it was very expensive. I was a little bit nervous about it, but it was a marketing agency that seemed to have their act together. They do a lot of content creation for brochures and case studies and things like that for us. So it was like nothing I've ever really seen, but it was it was a lot. And fortunately, I've already broken even on it three months in. So um, extremely satisfied with them. In fact, we just uh, launched another campaign with them in Dallas. Right. Let's talk broker record letters for a minute. 
How many do you think you've gotten so far? So we like we're just starting the second half of the year, right? So six months into 2023. How many do you think you've gotten so far this year? And about how many did you get last year, do you think? Um, this year I, I've probably gotten fifteen to twenty broker record letters this year. Again, some of those are just kind of smaller referrals that that came across rather easy. Last year I probably did about fifteen to twenty all year. All right, so we're hitting a whole lot more so far, obviously, in the first half here. Why do you think that is? Well, because I started working with Charles. Uh, and you, <laughs> I you, tried to you, tee that up for you really yeah, nice. Yeah, no, I, like, it, in all honesty, I, I mentioned it before, but I, I was trained very much in those meetings. And I did it for, you know, since 2007 when I entered the industry to, to just try to get that data to run a quote. That, that was my mission. And can't tell you how many meetings I'm on. And they're like, yeah, all this sounds good. What do you need to give us a quote? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that's not what I want to hear. So I, I just kind of refocused the way I approach it and, and just flat out ask, hey, I'm, I'm eventually going to ask you to marry me and yeah. divorce your current broker. Um, tee it up early on because they'll string you along. They'll lie to you. They'll, they'll do everything just to get you to quote. And sometimes it's unavoidable, right? We, we do have to run quotes at, at some point. Uh, and if it's a large enough case, I'm, I'm very happy to have the opportunity to quote it so long as you get me the data I need. But yeah, just, just the flat out ask, it just changes the dynamic of the conversation and the relationship you're starting to build. For them to know, okay, this guy's just not going to spreadsheet for us. And then we pick the lowest number <laughs> at the bottom of the spreadsheet. And then it starts to tee up like, okay, if we did change to you, what does that look like for us in terms of service, in terms of employee onboarding and things of that nature? And it gets everything away from just strictly the numbers. Yeah. Do you work on any particular industries? Do you have a micro niche? What do you, what kind of accounts? Yeah, you beat me up on this quite frequently. I, I, I still would agent, so I, it just is what it is, man. It's yeah, I, I, I'll still call myself a generalist, but I do skew heavy in the trucking and transportation transportation industry. Uh, very recently, I've started going after groups that are part of a PEO, okay. a professional employer organization. Many employers go there because they cannot deal with managing healthcare any longer. And they say, hey, our HR, our payroll, our workers' comp, uh, our benefits, everything's rolled into one package. And yeah, the rates on the health insurance are cheaper, but they never really saw any of the alternative stuff that we do. So we, we come in with, against the PEO program and, and very often beat it by 15, 20, 30% on the rate and enhance the benefits. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of where we're, we're starting to spend a lot more of our time marketing are those PEO groups. You know, um, there's just a lot fewer EB agents out there compared to property and casualty, right? By the way, do you have any, like any kind of an idea in regards to statistic, like how many EB agents are there compared to property and casualty? That I don't know. I know there are 10,000 of me in the Chicagoland area that are licensed. <laughs> uh, how active they are, that I do yeah. not know, but we're rife with competition here. Yeah. I mean, if I was just to throw out a ballpark figure, I would say it's probably 1 to 10, 1 to 12 you know, one EB agent, you know, for that many property and casualty. It's just, that's how I see it. Um, we're going to talk about broker of record letter. I'll have you give a story here in just a minute, but can you tell me just a little bit about like what your process is when you're talking to a prospect and you're kind of pushing the conversation towards the broker of record letter? Is there anything you say? Is there a service you provide? Like what's working for you? Yeah. Again, it, it all comes down to our programs. We, we really 
pride ourselves on offering those newer, innovative types of concepts to to crack the healthcare code. Um, and it's like nothing they've really ever heard before from their their current agent. It's Blue Cross, United, Cigna. You pick whichever one you want. Um, and that's that's really not what we do. We we kind of break down your healthcare program and, and tell you how it's really operating and. Whether you know it or not, you're paying the claims for your employee, whether you're fully insured or self-funded, <laughs> your claims drive your renewal each and every year and really explaining why. So just it's just comes down to that education and telling them you're spending all this money. Here's where it's actually going. And they say, wow, you know, the light bulb goes off. I, I've never really had it explained to me this way. I never really even knew it worked that way. We got a 30% increase last year and I got no reason why. Um, and then we look at their their health history and say, yeah, you've got three people on specialty medications. That's going to do it every time. And here's yeah. a program that we can do to address that expense. And like I said, whether they do it or not, that that's ultimately up to them. But to know that, okay, this this guy operates on a whole different level than what we're used to really makes that ask of the BOR quite a bit uh, easier yeah. for me. You know, that's interesting because... You know, again, I'm kind of speaking from a property and casualty guy, so I only know a little bit of, about the EV side to be d- to dangerous. And that's about it. But, you know, I'm looking at loss runs on workers' compensation or auto or general liability. They're very detailed. I get a chance to see them. The insured gets a chance to see their own losses. They can see who had the claim and what the claim was and so forth. But you don't get a chance to see all of that on the EV side, right? So what, what do they not get to see? What do they get to see? And, and how can you fix it? Well, if you're fully insured under 100 employees, good luck getting any data from the the major health insurance carriers. They hold that tight to their vest and maybe they'll give you a loss ratio at your renewal if you're lucky. Is so, it discrimination type stuff? Is that why? Or, just, or they just um, really want to give it? I, I honestly couldn't tell you why. Now, Texas is a little bit different. They have a state law where upon request, the carrier has to give you your claims okay. data. But there are HIPAA rules, you know, they, they try to skirt around giving you that data by saying, oh, it's HIPAA protected. But um, that's why we do a lot of the self-funding to, to come in and say, this is your data now. You're actually going to know where your dollars are being spent. And then some of our um, underwriting platforms that we utilize for groups that are fully insured, they kind of do soft medical checks on all the employees that we send over. And then we get some information there's no names attached to it or anything like that, but we can actually see, okay, here's, here's some drugs that are being prescribed. Here's a chronic condition. Uh, so we can actually start to build an understanding of why their rates are what they are. Yeah. Interesting. All right, man. So talk to me then about a broker of record letter story. Sure. When did you get it? What was it? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very recent group. Um, and you know they are they are based in um, Arvada, Colorado, right near Golden, and very good initial meeting with with the prospect and good sized group. They've got about fifty employees on their plan and you know twenty twenty five thousand in revenue for us. So good call. We had some quotes and honestly they they didn't look all that great compared to what they currently have. Um, but I still met with face to face or like we did. I did. I actually I, I was. Out there for another reason, uh, visiting another client. And I said, hey, you know what, Mark, I'm, I'm going to be in town. Why don't we get together and we'll just kind of chat about it. And he's said, heck yeah, let's let's do it. So I uh, actually went to his office and he wasn't there. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. man, I've, I've traveled all this way. Uh, the receptionist called him and he said, I'm at a little coffee shop a half a half mile away. Why don't you come meet me here? Um, 
just got to talking a little bit. And, you know, at the end of about 15 minutes into it, he's just like, you know what? You're our guy. (laughs) Uh, Whether we make change or not, this is going to be the decision we'll make later. But I want you to represent us. Um, I feel like you're going to be the best fit for our our employees. And, you know, what we do is very hands-on with with the employee. Uh, We deal with some chronic medical conditions, severe situations, and we hold their hand through the whole process. Uh, He wasn't getting any of that from his current agent. It was just very much the carrier sends him the renewal. He just would tell the agent, yeah, good, we're good to go. Uh, And they're in a spot where they've actually grown quite a bit over the past couple of years. So he understood that they need to start managing the risk more cleanly rather than just buying a straight up insurance policy. And it, it just became clear to him very quickly. So fortunately I had a printed broker letter, uh, broker boy. record letter with yeah. me, uh, handed it to him. He signed it. I ran it back over to his secretary to put on her uh, letterhead and uh, yeah. sent it right to my carrier. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Uh, how far in advance of their plan renewal did you meet with them? They are January one renewal and we okay. met a, a few weeks back. So okay. um, yeah, we're six months out. Yeah. All right, man. Well, good for you. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, there's nothing you, you got to like it when they're you know talking BORs over coffee. So it's just a beautiful thing, right? They go yep. Together. Yep. Yeah. It was funny. His, his his wife and kid were across the street at some shop. They came over after he signed. He's like, "This is my wife." And then our kids wound up being the same age. So. You know, at the end of the day, he's like, man, I don't think anything happens uh, for no reason. I, this just feels right to me. So it was, it was a good, good convo. You know, somebody can like chalk that up to luck. Someone can just talk it up to like, you know what? Yeah. You know, just kind of worked out the moon's aligned and so forth. I don't buy it. You're, you're getting lucky because you're having prospecting being done. You're getting lucky because you're having the conversations. You know, yeah. I just, I don't buy it when an insurance agent just like doesn't do the activity in order to make it happen. And they throw their hands up and they say, oh, this just doesn't work. It's like you get luckier, the harder you're going to work at this. You get luckier, the more that you're going to put into it. And we can call it yep. luck, but after, after all said and done, I just feel like you're getting your share because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You do the extra yep. work, you're going to get an extra share. It just is what it is. Yeah. But I like to say diligence is the mother of luck. Absolutely. So you came into the mastermind about seven months ago. Why'd you do that, Ryan? So, God, I don't even remember how I came across your content, but um, probably a month before I actually reached out to you, I just, I I listened, to, I think I binged like five episodes of your podcast over a weekend and I was like, man, this guy does a lot. And then, of course, you got your little commercial there in, in the podcast <laughs> I connected with you on LinkedIn. And yeah, it's just, you know, the I, I've always been a big believer in investing in yourself I'm in an agency. It's just myself and my business partner. We're the only two sales folks here. So we don't really have formal sales training, form, formal sales meetings or anything of that nature. So I figured, you know what? I like to hear an outside perspective from some other producers around the country and, and just kind of see what's working for them. And having you guiding the conversation has is, is just been incredible for me from a personal growth standpoint. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. And it's great having you in. And I just, I feel like it, not to, not to try and get more of your competition to the mastermind necessarily, but I just feel like if EB agents could figure out how to do it, they would just make more money. Not to yeah. <laughs> your clients because your clients are, are secure, but I just feel that there's just so much that could be done. And, you know, again, there aren't many, there aren't many um, health benefits agents out there. And what I really see health benefit agents struggling with is they don't know how to market. 
they don't know exactly what their their uh, differentiation is. I really find this to be the case. And again, just correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just kind of looking at it from a property and casualty standpoint. But I typically see you know the average agency, small, medium size, whatever it is. There's a there's a few or a bunch of property and casualty people, one or two, you know, employee benefits people, and basically I see the EB people just sort of poaching clients off of their PNC agents, you know, just going in and writing the EB side, you know, for those uh, other agents, and the EB agents really don't do a great job marketing themselves and getting their own clients. And I just feel that's sad because the opportunity out there is just so tremendous and so great. So, yeah, no doubt it's it's a lot of those cross selling opportunities. I know a lot of payroll companies have their own little employee benefits agency mm-hmm. that that they they bring uh, the benefits on. Uh, but yeah, I, I just it's very much historically been a relationship type of business. As I went to high school with so and so, he know owns this company. Just a natural relationship that that developed, and the agency I started at, it was actually my best friend's father who started it, and eventually sold to Brown and Brown. Um, but more or less, you know, he was just the man in town. He he had every account worth having in <laughs> in Will County because he had all those relationships. Um, more and more, it's just harder to 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 nourish those types of relationships and there's just so much more competition. So to, to come in as the subject matter expert and, and really differentiate, differentiate yourself is makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Let me ask you just one more question and we'll kind of wrap this up. So if you were like to think about one main sort of, I don't know if it's a personality trait, a characteristic, whatever it is, whether you learned it from the mastermind or if it's something you just do yourself, that gets you more clients, that you know, gets you asking the question in order to receive more broker of record letters. Like, what is that one thing that you've learned or that you've garnered and that's working for you? Yeah, it's it's certainly something I always knew, but I think the mastermind very much reinforced it. Uh, it's to have a process. Um, you know, I th- I think very often in the past, you know, when we're first starting, I'd, I'd have a great conversation and then I'd kind of lose touch with somebody and and I'd, I'd make up excuses in my own own mind. Oh, they weren't interested. Oh, the, they must not work there anymore because they're not responding to my email, yeah. <laughs> whatever it might be. So you get discouraged rather quickly when you're, when you're coming at it from that way and you get a little more emotionally attached to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming, taking a step back, implementing a, a robust CRM and just setting follow-up tasks for myself uh, because my, our competition's not following up <laughs> as, as much as they need to. Uh, everybody kind of has that same mentality. So again, just having that process and again, having conviction and believing in what you do and what you sell, I, I think it just shines through in those conversations. Yeah. I say very often the fortune is in the follow-up and you're going to make, I would say probably three times more money if you have a consistent process of follow-up compared to those agents that don't are just kind of winging it, throwing mud against the wall. You know, do I feel like calling this account? I don't know. Like they just sort of wing it, right? Whereas if you have a process, you actually are doing follow up, you're going to have significantly better results. And no doubt. Like, you know, just between you and me, nobody else listening, if you will, I actually feel like less than 5% of insurance agents out there have any kind of a process when it comes to follow up. They might think that yeah. they do, but do they really utilize it? I don't believe so. Agency I used to work at, we didn't have a CRM. So it, <laughs> it was just yeah. kind of a notebook, and here you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just wild to think, which is a major like takeaway thing for agency owners as an agency owner. If you don't have a process that your producers are following up and there's accountability in regards to it for the follow-up of their prospects over and over and over again, 
that's on you, agency owner. Like that's your fault. This is your agency. This is your agency. And it is your responsibility to make sure that your producers have that. Now, you have to also have to have the right people who are going to actually do it, but holding them accountable to it is really the agency partner, the principal, the ownership's responsibility. And, you know, even as Ryan has just attested, you know, it's working. It works really good. So he's gotten, you know, the same number of broker of record letters so far, just in the first half as he did all of last year. You know, continue the process, follow the process. The strategy actually works. Ryan, man, I really appreciate you uh, being on the, on the call today. So thank you for so much for being a, a, uh, a, an interviewee on the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. For those who are interested in learning a little bit more about the mastermind, it's the 12X Commission Mastermind, go to 12x.club and you're going to learn a little bit more. That's 12x.club and you're going to learn a little bit about what the mastermind is, some of the content, some of the curriculum and the cost. Love to have you a part of the mastermind. And so again, the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast is where I teach and train insurance agents how to build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.